Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, uh, we are going to talk about an interesting idea and a thought experiment. But before we do, I'd like everybody to click on subscribe so that you have access to all of my bonus content, lots of episodes that you can't hear unless you're a paid subscriber for only $4.99 a month, which I think is pretty good for getting all of this extra stuff and also um, because I teach you a lot in every episode. So in this episode, we're going to be talking about a great thought experiment of what it would be like to have physical affection and intimacy be the default for your daily routine rather than the outlier. So most of the time, people have a routine that, um, so at night, they, they may not even go to bed together, you know, in the first place. And if they do, they're just on their phone and then it's done. But what about if intimacy was your daily routine? So what do I mean by that? I mean that usually people think about um, their morning routine, their nighttime routine, their afternoon routine as stuff that has nothing to do with sex. And then sometimes you're going to be intimate. And those times happen randomly, um, usually when the lower libido partner, who's the gatekeeper of the physical intimacy in the relationship, says that it will happen. Uh, Often this is the woman, so it's whenever she's in the mood, whenever she's ovulating, whenever she gets anxious because it's been so long since the last time, or whenever she finally capitulates to your demands uh, or or perceives it as such. Um, I don't know many men who are demanding sex. That seems to have gone out many generations ago. But um, uh, or you're begging or whatever. So whenever the lower libido partner feels um, like they want to do something out of the ordinary, that's when the couple has sex, you know, and this could be a couple times a week. It could be once a week. It could be once a month. Um, If it's less than once a month, then you're in a sexless marriage by the research definition. But either way, it really doesn't matter because it's not the default. So what I'm trying to um, cultivate curiosity about here is what about if physical intimacy was the default? So this would mean sex and cuddling or sex including foreplay. So I'm not just saying what if every day you had sex for five minutes? Well, I mean... Nobody's going to feel closer with that. I mean, really, the I guess the guy might or maybe, but I mean, that really is a pretty stereotypical view of most married guys. And I don't think anybody is wanting that. None of the guys that I speak to in my practice, certainly, and none of the women. So what if you had a default of at least a half hour of physical intimacy, including sex, daily? Right? Like, what if that was the default? So, A, what, what are all the things that could happen? A, there would not be a scarcity mindset in the higher libido partner's uh, outlook. They would not always feel like, is today going to be the day? Is today going to be the day? Well, if it is, then I have to be super good. It has to be good. Um, otherwise, we're, I'm never going to get laid again. Who the hell knows? And that is a very 
anxious uh, type of frame that a lot of men have. Like basically, if I don't perform well, then she's never going to want to have sex with me again. And so ironic because the women usually think the guy performs like the same, like all the time. (laughs) But in the man's mind, he's got like this range and like sometimes he's good and sometimes he's not or whatever. Um, But anyway, he gets really anxious because he somehow thinks he's like becomes superstitious. So like you can make a pigeon superstitious in a lab by if they turn around before they peck a lever, then you drop the food. So obviously the food is dropped because they peck the lever. But if they happen to turn around first in a circle, they're always going to turn around first in a circle. You've created a superstitious pigeon. Now the pigeon thinks I turned around in a circle and then I pecked and that's how you get a treat, right? So a man, if he uh, happens to kiss her on the neck and then um, she has an orgasm, it doesn't matter that that doesn't relate to anything. He's always going to think that he has to do that. That's how men get these uh, very... Um, uh, very boring kinds of ways of going about things that are like the same every time because something worked. So they become superstitious not to um, fuck up anything that they should do all the same things all the time. If you recognize yourself in this description, you should probably inquire from your partner what is and is not effective in what you do so that you could slough off all of the superstitious shit that she may not like. But that is just an aside. Anyhow, when there is a scarcity mindset, men become very weird about sex. And I'm saying men, but it really is just the higher libido partner. And they, because they're very anxious, thinking that it may never happen again. Anxiety is not a fun state for anybody to be in. Also, there would be a lot less conflict about sex because you're going to be having sex. (laughs) And so there's nothing really for there to be a conflict about if that were to be agreed on. It's something that you're trying to do as the default. Now, that doesn't mean it has to be every single night, otherwise somebody, you know, gets executed. It means that it becomes the default instead of, you know, laying in bed and scrolling on our phones, like, or laying in bed and watching TV, or waking up and uh, scrolling through our phones. I mean, like, seriously, like, the phone is probably why our rates of sex in this generation have gone down. But whatever the routine is at that time of day would be replaced by at least a half an hour of physical intimacy. What else would happen? Well, the person who likes sex less might start to like sex more. Because why? Because practice. Because if the partner is not excellent at sex, which nobody has a very low libido and still thinks that sex is the best thing ever, those don't go together. So usually, by the way, I've written about this, when women say, Oh, sex is great. I just like never want to do it, but it's great. It's so good. He's so good in bed. But I just like never, ever want to have sex. Well, like let's use our brains, right? Are there other things that she really, really loves and thinks are really great, but just never, ever wants to do? No, there aren't. Because what she's trying to do is to be nice. So in reality, if sex were something that she really, really liked, and she would want to do it more, right? So probably the guy needs to work on his technique, but he can't because he gets no practice. So this is a vicious cycle. So she says sex is great. She just never, ever wants it. So then he thinks, okay, well, I guess I'll just do the same things every time if I could even remember what that is because it was three months ago the last time. And she still doesn't like it because she never liked it. And then, you know, it goes on and on and on. She never wants to have more sex because he never gets any better at understanding how to please her because he never gets to do it. So he never gets to learn. 
So if you were to have intimacy every night, then guess what? The man could learn or the woman could learn if she's the one who isn't that good, although men usually have a little bit more tolerance for bad technique. Um, So what could happen is that the practice would make the couple learn what each other likes more and thereby be better partners to each other and both start to enjoy sex much, much more because there is a lot of learning going on if you are doing something seven times a week versus zero or one or two. So what else could happen? Well, the partner whose need for physical intimacy has been routinely invalidated and dismissed over the years would finally feel like they're important. They would finally feel like they were getting Um, some recognition and validation. It's funny, women are real big on validation until it comes time to validate the guy not wanting to to have sex. (laughs) Then the validation goes away. But no, for real though, the partner who has the higher libido would finally feel validated if the lower libido partner were to say, no, you know what, let's try. Let's try to make this part of our routine. I am game to see if this does anything for my libido. Okay, so you could see, obviously, that that would be a nice thing to hear. What else could happen? Well, if you start associating going to bed with something nice and close, then you want to spend more time together. So you get everything on a better routine. You get the kids to bed to bed a little bit early. You turn out the lights a little bit early. This becomes your default time to be close. And that is very affirming and connecting for a couple to know that they have time every single day when they're going to be close. And for most people, they will talk before they are intimate. So that's time to be connected in myriad ways. So that's verbal and physical and sexual all at once. Now, obviously, I have written before and the fact stands that women do not like sex at night because they feel like they are about to die of exhaustion. In this case, you could have your default intimacy time be in the morning when the woman wakes up because never wake a sleeping woman. (laughs) But if she knows that you are going to be trying this new endeavor of having intimacy be part of your morning routine, then guess what? She's got to go to sleep earlier on the other end. So then she can wake up earlier and then you can have intimacy or in the age of telework, everybody's favorite time seems to be in the afternoon. So you could make that part of your routine instead of lunch break or whatever. But that's harder if if even one person works because you never know when something's going to get scheduled. But for work. But anyhow, think about this idea. So instead of the default being that we're in bed next to each other looking at our phones or talking about some bullshit like the mortgage or the children, you know, which both of those things are important, but neither of them is uh, anything that makes you feel very close. In fact, they are usually both massive anxiety inducers. You would be trying to have a default routine of something that should be anxiety eliminating, which is physical intimacy and sex. And all of my tips about how to get a highly sensitive woman in the mood would be very relevant here because all women are more highly sensitive in bed mostly than men. And also you are trying to do a whole new thing. So you are trying to be extra nice to the lower libido partner if they are at all on board with this, which means massage and means saying nice things and means being very romantic for the man. 
So that's another benefit that I, since I never have any notes and I go all this stuff like real uh, freehand, <laughs> that puts, put this one back in the list of what could happen if we try this. Another thing that could happen is if the man knows that he's going to potentially be in a sexual experience every night, assuming he doesn't fuck up something desperately during the day, you know, and make her hate him, what's he going to try to do? Be nice. He's going to try to be nice. Also, he's not going to have to try that hard because he's going to be in a good mood from that morning or the previous night already. It seems like most women notice that if they have a higher libido partner, the guy is a lot nicer and happier during the day or two even after sex. But after two is a little bit much. That's like coasting a little bit long. Usually it's about 24 hours, which makes sense. Everything else is on like a daily routine. It's like when do people really do well with exercise? When they're like, I'm exercising every day. Like you don't hear that same kind of enthusiasm for people who are like, I'm exercising twice a week. <laughs> I mean, that's good. Like if you're exercising twice a week, especially with kids go you that's great but like there's something different about the idea of making it part of your routine that is a lot more affirming makes you feel a lot better about yourself you're like wow look at me I'm really hot shit I'm exercising every day you know so it would be the same thing with this you will feel good about yourselves as a couple if you really prioritize together time every day and in this regard together time would be physical intimacy and certainly coupled with conversation of a nice sort you know like a romantic complimentary conversation and about we miss each other we love each other etc and you could do this for a few minutes or you could do it for many minutes or whatever but generally people like to women especially like to talk before they're intimate so that could be something that gets everybody's needs met and this honestly is not as strange as you may think because plenty of couples you know really do make intimacy the default when do they do it in the honeymoon phase. And so we don't really know what is driving what. The honeymoon stage is certainly finite, but it may be perpetuated by being intimate all the time. It's bi-directional. So back in the time of your relationship where you were having sex all the time every day, didn't you feel a lot closer? So that could be bi-directional. It isn't just one way that you're drunk on new hormones and so therefore you want to have sex all the time. That's certainly true. But having sex all the time also makes you feel drunk on hormones. And in fact, it increases your testosterone to have sex every day. So... If you are even remotely intrigued by this idea, it would certainly be something to share with your partner and to say, why don't we try this? And why not? You know, I mean, you've tried crazier shit, probably tried to sleep train a baby like that is some ninja level, like crazy shit to try to do, you know, and very stressful. This could not possibly be worse than that or any of the random other shit that you do for your kids or for your job or for your house or whatever. So if your marriage is not worth. So let's add it up. I'm not good at math, but half hour times seven. That can't be more than like. I don't know what, is it three and a half hours, right? So if it's three and a half hours a week for your marriage, I hope that's right, then 
why is that such a big deal? You would do that on one date. If I told you, why don't you go out on a weekly date night for three and a half hours, that would not be a strange thing to say. So why should this be a strange thing to say? This would do a hell of a lot more than one date night a week for transforming marriages. I would be out of business as a couples counselor if like everybody went and listened to this advice right now, barely anybody would have any more problems because the lower libido partner would feel good about themselves for doing this. They would start to like sex more. They would start to be practicing so that they get into the zone of seeing themselves as sexual, the other higher libido partner would get technically better given more practice and would be really high on life all the time because they finally feel like their needs are getting met and that other people would be envious of their situation. They feel like this is great. Wow, I'm having the best marriage in the world because we're intimate all the time. So that would lead to a a very virtuous cycle, opposite of a vicious cycle, where each thing builds positively on the other and both people's commitment to this idea would be allowing their marriage to grow and thrive in different ways. Now, if you think that three and a half hours is too much for your marriage, wait till you get divorced. Then, boy, will you think that maybe you should have tried it because it's really not that much time. It's as much time as you would think about your separation agreement, your custody schedule, driving to pick up, driving not to pick up, whatever. And so it's a lot easier than separating and divorce. And it could actually be a way to try something new because everybody's tried to change how they communicate. I mean, I get people in that know I statements and whatever better than I do because they've been to like three different couples counselors. Why? Because it isn't the problem. The communication isn't the problem. The problem is that nobody's needs are getting met. Communication, no, nobody, what, communication is not one of the love languages. Words of affirmation is one of the love languages, but nobody's love language is having somebody communicate in a respectful and rational way using I statements. That isn't real. That's not true. That is not what hurts marriages. What hurts marriages is people feeling unloved and lonely. And both people feel like that in a situation where one person feels completely uh, physically and emotionally bereft because of lack of sex, that person's not going to act too great as a partner. So this is a new idea. Even if you don't execute on it, if you share the podcast with your partner and think about it, sometimes inserting the injection of a new idea into the conversation is enough to be to to spark some sort of interest or novelty and a, a better more engaging discussion that actually can get to the heart of what you both think about a topic at hand looking at things from a new way is one of the reasons that therapy can be so transformative So if you like this podcast, please do subscribe and um, please share with your partner and I will talk to everybody soon.